Welcome to the DevReady podcast, yeah. where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Uh, today, we uh, have Philip Knoll from Ontogo. It is, yes, Philip? Is it Ontogo? Yes, it is. Sorry. Yes, it's short for ontogeny. Ontogeny. So, yeah, welcome, Philip. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the DevReady podcast and share a bit about your experience and how you're helping people build different products within, especially the medical space and devices space. So, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Always happy to uh, have a chat. Hopefully, people can learn from all the errors that I've made in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Uh, We've all made plenty of them. Don't worry. Uh, I don't think anyone just goes through life swimmingly. There's plenty of errors along the way, especially in innovation. So a bit bit about Ontogo and how that came about. Your background, Philip. Okay. I've been in healthcare for over 40 years and covered just about every aspect of it. Started out as a surgeon, worked in health services. My particular love has been medical devices. Mm-hmm. And to cut a long story short, 2003, I had the opportunity to, to lead the building and development and of a major device business based out of the United States, which I did. Okay. Um, we took that to, uh, well, considerable billions of revenue in 86 countries, and then I retired. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Had enough. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Uh, Cook Medical, correct? Is that? That, that was correct. Yes, yeah. yes. Aortic stent endograft in the business of Cook Medical. Oh, very, very good. And then I uh, came back to Australia. I lived in mm-hmm. the States for 12, 14 years. And then I came back to Australia, and then suddenly my phone's going and LinkedIn's going of people going, are you back? Can you help me? And I thought, hmm, okay. So I started answering some of yes. these and went on a little journey and realized, okay, there's a lot of people struggling with mm-hmm. take, taking ideas forward. And that's when Ontogo came into being. It's it's a network of people who have been there, done it. There's no none of us are, are theoreticians. We've all run businesses and a lot of device and diagnostic businesses. And these days we, we look to help with help projects that are some degree stuck, distressed, and use our expertise to help them get back on the right pathway and go forward and Take these things to to market. Very interesting. Um, so, so that's cool. That's kind of the background, in short. Yeah, no, very good. So, stuck, distressed. How often do you find this in this? In oh, your about, about ten a day. Ten a day. The definition of what I mean by stuck or, or distressed is, is variable. Those are terms. Understand. Yeah. It can go from anything from projects that are currently dead mm-hmm. through to people who have got ideas that just don't know what the journey is going to look like. Get it. And lots yep. of places in between. There's a lot of projects are, I've got this far, I've got so far, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what to do next. A yep. lot of, of that. Mm-hmm. And, and our realization is that people talk, particularly in devices and diagnostic, takes a long time, longer than we expected, mm-hmm. and costs more. And, and our response to that has been because, you never actually understood the journey. What it actually journey was, yeah. And that's the thing, I think, especially being in the medical space, there's additional cost, I would imagine, just keeping things on target and to meet standard. I'd imagine there'd be significant costs just associated with meeting standard and regulation in the space. How does that come into play? Well, it, it's a regulate, It's a very heavily regulated yeah. industry, and so yeah. it should be. Mm. At the end of the day, this mm-hmm. is about devices, mm-hmm. diagnostic products, and pharmaceuticals as well, although we don't touch pharma. Yes. So that although the regulatory system drives me mad sometimes, it, mm-hmm. it, it is actually necessary to protect yes. patients. Correct. It's there for a reason, that's for sure. But, it, but if you know how it works, mm-hmm. then there's no reason why things should take longer and cost more if you know how it works. Yes, if you can plan for it and build towards that framework, then there's no unexpected costs or things hiding behind doors that you didn't factor. Yeah, yeah visually, this is what we say to people. That, you know what? People have it, it's people with just ideas, or they're a startup, or they're an early stage company, or even small medium enterprises mm-hmm. that have new ideas. Yes. What what really happens with the best of intentions? People head off on the journey. Mm-hmm. What they actually do is they step off into the fog. Now, as you can tell from my accent, I'm originally from from Britain. I know what fog is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that much in Melbourne do I? On, no, no. on one or two days in winter. That's a bit. I, I, yeah. I grew up with it. So you head off into this fog, mm-hmm. 
And what you don't realize is that that's what's happened. There's lights coming at you. And the truth about fog is if you're driving in fog, lights of cars coming towards you, you realize them very, very late. They're virtually on you. Yes. That's a bit of a shock. That's what we mean. You head off into a fog and things will, will head towards you. And you don't expect them. They hit you. Maybe they kill your project. Minimally, they knock you back in time, cost you more to get back on your feet and the way you go. What you do then is you head back into the fog again. Mm-hmm. Um, we clear the fog. Our objective is to clear the fog and say, look, this is what your journey is going to look like. Let's hold your hand through it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. I can imagine there's a lot of things they are underestimate just because they're probably a bit out of their depth and don't know what to expect. Uh, they know what they know, as we all do in life. We know what we know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, most of the work we do comes from surgeons, scientists, engineers, and they all have excellent knowledge about their world. Yeah, the main knowledge is, is pretty high there. It's just more about everything else around it. So not a product, as we all know, is not, it's not always just about a product. There's, so there's a business model. There's everything else around it that needs the to like. That is correct. Yeah, everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of those things that confound people. Sorry. Yeah, get it. No, that's okay. So yeah, fog is it's a journey, and you've walked the journey, so you understand it. You know what's around the corner, what to expect, what maybe the three to five year plan looks like. So I think if we get if we follow people that have walked the journey, it makes life a bit easier, even from a mentoring perspective, whatever it might look like. So there's massive value in that. In terms of creating a, a great product, what is it? From your perspective, uh, we wanted to dig in a little bit, understand what a great product means to you and what what are the implications of building a great product? What do you need to consider? Let's open up some of that fog for some people. All right, fundamentally, yeah. fundamentally yes. our view, yes. my view is that mm-hmm. if you have a great idea, mm-hmm. surely you want as many people as broadly in the world to have yes. access to that to use it. If it's a great idea, mm-hmm. then particularly in my world with medical nice. products, mm-hmm. yes. then, then you want it to be available to patients wherever and whenever. Mm-hmm. So that's the fundamental thing. It, if you just yep. want to use it in your own practice or use it for research, that's fine, mm-hmm. but it's not what I'm about. Yep. So the, the fundamental parameter and the question we ask every time is, well, is there market acceptance? Mm-hmm. That is the fundamental issue here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cool stuff doesn't always have a market. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we can, no, it can be shiny and new and just get yeah. people's yeah, attention. If we're to make a difference, then mm-hmm. there needs to be a market acceptance for these ideas. And that is the fundamental principle around what is a great idea. Not something that's cool, not something that's new, not something that uses some brand new technology. All that's fine. Mm. But if you mm-hmm. want to take a, a product to the world and as many people to have access wherever, whenever, there has to be market acceptance. And what does market acceptance mean in your world about driving through through that through the road to from A to B? What do you what process do they need to go on? What should they be doing to establish a market acceptance? Well, at a very high level, what problem are you trying to solve? Yes. Is the fundamental start. Okay. What's the, let, let me use a very simple example that I use. So I, I believe that it's impossible to get all the toothpaste out of the tube. <laughs> it is impossible. <laughs> if, if I asked a hundred people, do you agree it's a problem? Yes. And I would say, I'm not going to say a hundred because I've come yes. across people who have solved it. There's uh-huh. a 95, 98% of the people are going to say, yeah, it's a problem. Uh-huh. And then you ask the question. Well, how big is this? Is it absolutely essential to your continuing existence <laughs> you get a solution? And with the toothpaste, people are going to go, well, actually, I don't really care. Yeah, for the last drop, I don't yeah. think it's a big deal, right? <laughs> so the, yeah. the first answer to your question is mm-hmm. we've identified a problem. The world shares the view that it's a problem. Yes. And the mm-hmm. people who really suffer from this problem, it has a very high priority. Mm-hmm. We do assessments and ask a question on, the, on a scale of 0 to 10, yes. where 10 is, I need this fixing now. My life is unbearable. Mm-hmm. So to 0, we really give a really who whether I get a solution or not. Yeah, and that's probably on the on the light of the toothpaste argument. That's going to end up well, as 0 or 1 for most people. So, yeah. Well, we, we, we say if the score is 7 or above, 
you have a problem that people are really need to have a solution to. Mm-hmm. If you're a five to, or a seven, you may have a great idea, but you're going to have to create the market. You've got work to do. Less than four, forget it. You don't have a market. Okay. So that's fundamentally the problem, which is shared, mm-hmm. and it has a high priority. There's a pain point. I need a solution. That's point number one and the principal point. The second one is, well, what is your solution and do they think it's going to solve the problem? Mm. Um, you know, we hear this all the time is fundamentally, what problem you're trying to solve? Yes. Uh, is it a massive pain point? Does your solution solve it? Do, do these people suffering the problem agree? Uh, and would they pay for it? That's what the first principle of market acceptance. But I'm here to tell you, 99 times out of 100, we meet with people, they haven't asked those questions. Yeah, they just yeah. start. I think, they work yeah, on the idea. Correct. It's all about the idea. And it's all about whatever they're doing there. Maybe they build a prototype on it. You probably see that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the prototype, something they haven't spoken to anyone about it because it's just in their head. And I think I've got to get it into reality before I can actually test or query this. I yeah. actually had... Um, uh-huh. Sky was a anesthetist, and he'd come up with a, a problem. Yep. He'd he'd actually spent half a million, believe oh. it or not, mm-hmm. uh, of his own and some grant money. Yes. To create a prototype. Okay. And then he came to us and went, "I've, I've got a problem. Nobody's interested." <laughs> <laughs> and we did an evaluation that says, "I'm sorry, the market response is it's less than four on the importance scale." Everybody says, "Oh yeah, that's a problem." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it matter? No, couldn't really give a damn. So guess what? That project closed down, cost somebody half a million. That's yeah, not a yeah. mutual story. Yeah, no, it happens quite a bit, especially in our space, delivering software. Mm-hmm. Similar thing, people go into the path of just build tech and they just fall in love with building something and they forget about talking to customers, getting an understanding of if they actually care. And I think yeah. that's one thing you mentioned here about care, how, how important it is then to this problem to be solved. Yeah, that's a great well, point there. If gr- people a- care, you have a market. Yes. <laughs> if they don't, you don't. <laughs> Correct. Well, yeah. enough. Now, Tom Peters, if you remember, Tom yeah. in Search of Excellence was his start in the early 80s. But I'll use his expletives if you don't mind. He said innovation happens when somebody gets so pissed off about something they decide to do something about it. And you go, okay, yeah. there you go. Yes. It, it, it matters. Yes. Um, yep. You made a point before, which is, and I understand it, and we often see people come up, I've got this great idea, I've got a product, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is, you know what, start with the problem and you have a better opportunity mm-hmm. to, number one, find out whether you should be doing this, and number two, where you go with taking this to the world. Start yes. with the problem. Even if you have a technology that you've been researching, playing with, building in your garage, whatever. It's true of software. We do a lot of digital health. Mm -hmm. People have created stuff and never ask the question, Mm -hmm. what problem am I trying to solve? Yeah, it's just an idea sometimes, and that's not really the place that we want it. I think um, it's easy to get lured into the idea and the concept and just get, okay, this is going to be a great idea, a great concept. People are going to love this. But sometimes, yeah, I see people get a little bit lost around the fact that, yes, they don't really have a problem they're solving. They just created something because of there's some new shiny tech and we might be able to do something with it or just a concept to spark their interest, and then they start investing into it. And it's a very dangerous, sticky road to be traveling down when you're doing that. It's normally when it's your own idea, you end up falling down that path. Yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you another important point here. There's a classic quote. There's too many products, too many companies, and too much marketing noise. Yes. There's a quote. I'll ask you two guys, what year do you think that quote was? 1955. (laughs) (laughs) It was 1971. It was recent trends. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't so, be surprised if it was from the early days of the big marketing spend after the war. But it was 1971. And the, yep. point, the point of me using it is if it was noisy in 1971, what the heck is it today? Yeah. 50 so, years later, what the hell's happened? It's a lot noisier. There's a lot more products, a lot more noise, a lot more companies. Yes. Um, so you better have something where there's a very, very heavy pain point point Mm -hmm. for those people who suffer the problem. I I go as far as to say if you've got an idea and there isn't a significant pain point, 
you know what? You need to think about whether you, you go further. Yes. You need to think about that. It's a business model. It's not about the idea. In reality, yes, we want to create an idea and build something to help people. And that should be the biggest focus point. I think if it becomes around just a product idea, you've got this idea, I'm going to make some money out of it. I don't think that's where people get a little bit lost. They get lured in. It's more about, am I helping people? And from my perspective anyway, how many people can we actually help this, this idea? And that is going to actually give you a bit more credibility moving forward, not just great idea. Let's see if we can monetize this thing. So I find people get trapped into that a little bit too. That's interesting because it's, uh, you bring in the subject of purpose. Mm. You know, again, I, I meet people yeah. who just yes. want to make money and there's nothing yes. wrong with that. Oh, that's okay. But mm. stuff that we get involved in is where there's, there's real purpose. And, and that's a whole different equation. I was reading something recently which talked about there's two things that are driving success in startup around the world. One, I have to say, because I'm over 60, that, <laughs> that, that age is an issue. Okay. Yep. And purpose is an issue. Mm-hmm. So people have been around a bit and done it before who have a strong sense of purpose, have a yes. higher probability of success. I think from my perspective, I agree. Like the high priority, that massive pain point can drive purpose. Because that massive pain point is generally related to the point of the problem and trying to solve this for many people and for yourself at the same time, potentially. But then purpose comes. I think if you're just looking at this is a great idea, let's monetize it, then purpose, you probably don't have the pain point big enough to solve a big enough problem. That's what I've noticed when I've been working with different people and stuff that we've done. I would absolutely agree with you. It's down to something we always ask of people is what, what is your objective here? What will success look like? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, again, for some people it's to make money. Nothing wrong yes. with that at all. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think having a purpose around taking something forward to benefit others, I think has a higher likelihood of success. And, and you can still, if you want to make money, you can still make money on that proposition. Exactly. <laughs> and it changes the focus back to the customer. Yeah. And it puts it uh, back to the user, back to the person I'm trying to help. So that purpose is really important because it just frames the business around people, not around monetization. And I think monetization obviously needs, it's important. The business can't operate. If it doesn't make a profit, it can't help enough people and it doesn't really solve the problem. But in reality, if we focus around people first, the money will come if you take care of the business model. Yes. Yeah. I built a business that we actually measured patients' help today. We could actually do that without boring you with what the product was. There was a particular thing out of uh, Uh which every case would have, and these were all emergencies. So when we saw a sale of that particular product, we knew it was in a person within Mm -hmm. a short period. So we used to measure life safe today. Um, I mean, that's, that's I can tell you stuff. how. <laughs> yeah. We made, you know, be fair, we made money on the back of it, but, but yes. that's purpose-driven. Yeah. Right? Oh, clearly. And the, the power of that and through the culture of the business, it's a very different business then if you're you're targeting a KPI's life saves today rather than how many dollars in the bank. So it's a very different model. So maybe we add, as we're talking yes. about what is a great product idea, one is yes. absolute clarity around the problem you're trying to solve. Yes. That there is a pain, that there is a significant pain point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that the product has a real purpose to make a difference. Yes. Maybe those are, are very important conclusions mm-hmm. on the issue of what is a great product. Mm-hmm. Maybe I add something else there because okay. we always ask, okay, in, in very broad terms, is your product idea me too, near to, different, unique? Mm-hmm. And we go and disruptive because disruptive is, is rare and is used too much. Correct. So we leave it off. Tell me which it is. Is it me too, near too, different or unique? Mm-hmm. Um, if your product idea, going back to the recent trout quote, if your idea is me too, i.e. there are others, yes. or near to, I've got a small difference between compared to what's already out there. I think you've got a really tough journey. Yeah, it's, hard. it's a hard sell. Yeah, how are you going to cut through that noise? Yes. Differentiate yourself. That's a scary place to go. Mm. Um, if you are different or unique, you've got potential. So, and it becomes that balance too, I find, when you get to different and unique, then it becomes a whole education process as well because you can land in the point of people don't understand it, which is a big issue. Again, that means you're probably not solving a big enough problem, pain point, and they don't get it. So it all comes together from there. 
Uh, it is. And, you know, we're working on a, it's actually a software di- digital health project right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting surgeon focused data analytics product. And our challenge mm-hmm. is to talk to people, with t- particularly talking to the investment community, to get them to actually understand what it is. Yeah, it can be a challenge sometimes. There's a massive skill in how do I express this yes. in simple terms. So there's another thing about a great product idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I think it was Einstein said, if you can't explain something simple, then you don't understand it well. It's <laughs> yep. true. I, I use yes. that quote quite a bit. <laughs> I used to have it on my office wall when I lived in yeah. the States, and yeah. people would come in and, can I just talk to you about something? And I, if I pointed at the, uh, the the quote, they said, okay, I'll go away and I'll come back. <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> Yeah, because to explain, like you said there, to explain something simple enough means you have to actually sit within the idea and dig right into it, understand it, explore options. I think it's just reflecting a lot of thinking time behind it too. It's just getting it out of your head as to what it actually is and how do I communicate this. And can you have an objective perspective? I say to to founders, you are a biased observer at best. Yeah, subjective perspective for fiat is very challenging, I would <laughs> I, I, But they are biased observers. Yeah. Again, I, I understand it, but they need to understand the biased observers. If they're asking the questions mm-hmm. about the problem and all the rest of it, you need to be a very special person to be disconnected enough to be objective in, in listening rather than saying, oh, they didn't understand, so I'm not going to listen to that. Yeah, that's true. It's so, not that easy, though. I don't think it's that easy for anyone to be unbiased, especially when they're so attached to something. And for, especially yeah, sure. your passion driving something, it becomes very difficult, I think, to and separate. And you're investing in it and putting everything into it and working yes. on it. Well, I try, yeah, absolutely. I try and move people beyond this by saying, uh, by, by the way, we, we tend to be quite blunt in how we, we yes. I say to people, look, founders are like parents. Mm-hmm. When when you create something, it is your newborn. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now all parents think their not newborn is beautiful, mm-hmm. sometimes despite the physical evidence. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth about product ideas, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's age-old saying. I think it's been used a million and one times, but it's so true. Yes, we're everyone that's got children and her kids, it's, yeah, you're so attached and loved and an idea is the same, especially when you get that passion behind it and you really want to see it come to life. It becomes a very similar thing. There's an important point yeah. there, though, you know, yeah. because yeah. if yeah. something has been yeah. said and said and said yeah. and yeah. is an ingrained truth, yes. I would suggest <laughs> consider it carefully. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's said over and over again. It's take a, pay attention, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There may be some truth behind it. There probably is. Yes, yep. that's very good. So there's really, I think we expanded quite a bit on what a real what a real problem is and how to expand it. What a good how to get some acceptance in terms of market. And I think that's um, it's good take detail for people to take away. And I think your number system from one to ten is really good. Just asking you some simple questions around how what the priority of this problem is and I think that's a really good question for people to look at and just consider because yeah if it's a one, two or three, four, five or six, you're gonna have a bit of trouble. Now can I can I just make the point here because it's an important yeah. one. This yeah. is commercial validation. It's not yeah. a scientific experiment. Yes. It does not need to be statistically significant and defendable. It's commercial research. <laughs> That's a good point now. What would you consider commercial rather than scientific and statistical? How much detail do you need to go into to not second-guess yourself, basically? Two key points. Yes. Know what questions to ask Mm -hmm. because you can kill Mm -hmm. an evaluation by asking questions where there's only one answer and that's the answer you want to hear. Yeah, okay. That's the point. Yeah. So be really careful and get help on the questions you're going to ask. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, we say to people, first off, ask 10 people. If you get the same answer to your five questions mm-hmm. from 10 people, yes. you don't need to go and talk to another 100. You're wasting your time. Yeah, okay. If you get variable answers mm-hmm. across your first 10 or maybe 20 if you want, mm-hmm. then that's commercial research. You're trying to get a feeling. Yeah, and it doesn't course. have to be significant or mathematically <laughs> Yes, get it. I'll give you an example. We did some US research just recently on a particular. This is a a different approach to an established 
problem. Mm-hmm. And the ten responses were these are doctors we don't know. Yes. Who were good enough to talk to us, mm-hmm. who were absolutely all ten of them said exactly the same thing. That's mm-hmm. about the problem, mm-hmm. its impact, what else yeah. is happening on this solution. So why do we we said we don't need to find out any more at this stage? Yeah. That's enough to give us confidence to go mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, like that does give you confidence when you've got 10 outside parties confirming exactly yeah. what you're thinking. So, yeah, I think that's a good point there because I think people can – I've had this conversation a little bit about market research. Mm. Five to ten couldn't be enough to give you some direction. And I think if you start getting things that you don't want to hear, maybe ask more people, and that might get you to the end of the, the idea and say, let's scrap this thing. But that's okay. That's the point. You want to get an understanding of what the – is there a willingness for people to buy this thing? Yeah. Is it really going to help anyone and what impact is it going to leave? And I think if we know those answers up front, then you might have a chance of producing a great product. That's not necessarily <laughs> to start. But, but you build you build this picture. You know, we, yeah. we're really talking about early stage now. Before, yes. before yeah. you start, before you jump into any fog, yes. get, get an idea of whether you've got some market acceptance. Yes. But yeah. as you go forward on the journey, continue to build. Yes. So as you go forward, you will ask more questions of more people. So you continue to build a bigger picture of what the market is acceptance and its issues. In the early stage, do we believe by careful questions to to some people who suffer from this problem, is there enough uh, indication that this is worth pursuing? That's what we're talking about. Going back to that Anisotest example, I'm sure he would have been happy to spend 10, 20, or even say $50,000 going through a process to learn that it's not going to work rather than a $500,000 lesson. Uh, yeah, he, he still buys Now he would. Uh, yeah, now yeah, he, he would. Now, now yeah. he would, but yeah, at the time you don't know because sometimes you have that conversation with people. I said, no, let's just build this thing. I'm confident. And you start questioning, oh, I don't know if we want to do that because, yeah, it's too risky for people to just jump into. I think people sometimes are fearful of what the market feedback is too. I think so. Well, if I go back to my yeah. folk, Yes. You know, I before I moved to Australia, I used to live in yeah. a farm area. Yes. And sometimes in the midwinter, I would look out of the door and go, uh-huh. am I really going to drive that 20 minutes to work? And on occasions, I went, you know what, I'm just going to call in and, and yes. cancel my patients. So they canceled anyway because they couldn't get to practice either. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you make that decision. I'm not going to head into the fog because uh-huh. the indication is, that it's not a good idea. <laughs> Correct. Make yeah. that decision. Make that yeah. call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once we get through this acceptance part, we've got some market credibility. Okay. We understand that. What does the, the journey look like after that? So I start this point off. So in reality, I'm not building anything. I'm not designing any prototypes, nothing at this stage. I've got a, a problem I'm solving. I found that there's a fit, there's a need, there's some pain, real pain point here, some real desire. What do I do now? I talk about five Key parameters here. Yes. You know, the the world revolves around three, five, and seven. Yes. (laughs) It does. (laughs) I have five key points, if I might. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I'll start with the the first one. My point here is that Mm -hmm. having a great product Mm -hmm. is necessary, but it's not sufficient. So let's talk about what, in addition to the product, Mm -hmm. will create sufficient and a good proposition to go forward with. And the first thing is, we've touched on it already, yes. know the journey ahead. Mm-hmm. I said this, we, I'll cover this very quickly. There are barriers out there, particularly in a regulated industry. There are barriers out there that you should know are going to come. Mm-hmm. If you know your journey, you've already thought about them, you've already thought about how you're going to negotiate them or mitigate them right from work well. It is not only true of a regulated environment, but there's mm-hmm. there's enough people out there who have been on your journey who will yes. tell you this is going to come and hurt you. Mm-hmm. So know your journey, know the barriers. Yes. Just mm-hmm. to summarize, this is what I said earlier, that journeys can take longer and cost more than initially expected because people didn't understand the journey and they didn't understand the barriers that were going to confront them. Mm. I think that's fair because when you hit a barrier that you don't know about and you haven't planned for, and all of a sudden you might have to take three steps back and do some more investment because you never considered it, or your project might just completely collapse. I've seen that before too. 
it's like there's a barrier that they can't get beyond and then it's like oh if we knew this at the start we wouldn't have started so yeah very well, I, I talk about the symmetry of big ideas what really concerns me that mm-hmm. there are some some ideas that are in yeah. that cemetery that really could have made a difference to the world. Yes. And, and yet they've been killed off because they didn't know the journey. Sometimes those barriers kill you. Yeah, it's frustrating yeah. to see that too. We've got good founders, good ideas, but they just don't know the road ahead. Well, we're, yeah. we're, in, the, we're in the process of trying to bring a, a, a great product out of that cemetery. Yes. We're trying to do that right now okay. because we're going, this is a product that can help Probably about four million people a year across the world in health in the world of healthcare. Then that needs and to see the light of day, doesn't it? So it yeah. yeah. Um mm-hmm. so the cemetery and the stuff in there that shouldn't because people didn't yes. know the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, becoming too reactionary. You make the wrong decisions and then mm-hmm. that's when things go backwards. You know, there's there's this great desire with people with ideas just and, and people encourage them. Just get on with it. Start the journey and understand that. But I, I'm saying, oh you hang, hang on a minute. That sounds all good, but I think if you look in practice, yes. it's, it's not that sound mm-hmm. an idea, particularly in a regulated environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. My second point we've already covered too is proven market acceptance. Mm-hmm. What does a product need above and beyond the product? It needs market acceptance. Here's something I've learned. This is a screaming flash of the obvious. All of these barriers we talked about, uh, without going into details, if you've got sufficient money, you can solve them. Yeah. If you've got a never-ending bucket, every problem can be solved. <laughs> bar, bar one. Bar that, one. Probably market acceptance. One. Correct. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bucket. If the market's yes. not interested, money ain't mm. going to buy it. It's true. Yep. Very true. Money can't buy your market acceptance. Mm. There's, a, there's a song there. <laughs> yeah, <there's> a, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Um, my, my third key thing is uh, this is um, you know we're we're not not investors but we work with investors all the time. Mm-hmm. Investors that seek our opinion on that. I, yes. I, actually, I, I talked about this a year or so ago to Melbourne Angels in mm-hmm. one of our lunches, and I said to them, sixty-five people in the room. I said, let's face it, most people who present to you either as an angel or as a private equity player. 95% of these presentations are trying to work out, I'll raise some money, then I'll work out what to do with how much I raise. Mm. There's a reality. Yeah. I'm here to say I think that's the wrong approach. If you know what your journey is, mm-hmm. you understand what market acceptance, that there is market acceptance, yes. then work out exactly how much you need and go and raise that amount of money. Mm-hmm. It's easier to raise when you've proven market acceptance too, I believe. And you know what you're going to spend the money on. Correct, yeah. Yep. And go and raise that amount, not go, well, I'll, I'll see what I can gather together then yes. and try and work. I'm here to tell you that all the investors I talk to mm-hmm. are very acutely aware yes. that that's what happens. So look, I told you that just a sideline on investors because I've I've worked this out and I know and investment's not all the story, but it's an important one. There's, there's only there's only four issues. Mm-hmm. They want to know well, what do you want and how you're yeah. going to use it? Mm-hmm. Specifically, tell me how you're going to spend my money. Yes. Secondly, what's in it for me and when? Mm-hmm. The third point is what are the risks. The point number two, i.e. what's in it for me, is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the fourth is, have you mitigate them? Do you understand them? Do you plan to mitigate the risks that are going to mean I can't get one? That's it. Yep. There is yep. nothing else. That's very true, though. Like, if I'm going to put, like, it's like, if I go, if I go and buy something or invest in a company to do something, I'm, I'm going to know what I want, what time frames it is, what are the risks of me not getting it. It's the same thing. It's investment is like spending money on another service or invest investing in somebody else. It's you're still you're looking for an outcome. Looking to your capital goes to good use. And I think it's hard to get money or harder to get money if you, they don't know what the the map is, the journey is, and what the expectations are. And right now it's getting harder. I yeah. But I, I say to people all the time, okay, if I if I'm going to give you five million right now and be in your bank tomorrow, what are you going to do at nine a.m. <laughs> How many of them are going to say go buy a car? 
Yes. Or, Brand new office. <laughs> or I'm gonna have I'm gonna take the team out to dinner, you know? Okay, yeah. that's, yeah. Not, that's yeah. not the right answer, but but if you yeah. go to dinner, please invite me. Mm. <laughs> but that's not the right answer. So my third point is just to summarize, know your journey. Yes. Have proven market acceptance. You can't buy it. Mm-hmm. Know exactly what you're gonna spend your money on. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've mm-hmm. done number one, if you know the journey. You should be able to work out exactly how much you need to spend. <laughs> and if you have market acceptance, then there's justification for that. Um, and then we come to a really, really interesting one. Here, here we are. We, I, I, I love it. I love living in, in, in Australia. But the fact of the matter is it's a small market. It is. So have you really worked out the expansion plan for your business? And have a clear and concise and well-thought-out well international expansion plan. And, you know, there was a number of years ago, it was um, one of those, it was the Startup Master. They used to do some really interesting annual studies at this crossroads too. I enjoy reading those. It's a shame when the Startup Master uh, research stopped. But I think it was about 2015. Mm -hmm. In their research, only 5% of the people interviewed talked about having a plan for international expansion. I wouldn't be surprised me at all because we all because uh, we're all working in our own patch. We know our own industry. I think some small businesses don't even want to expand, expand into state, let alone overseas. I think it's just a comfort zone thing. It is now. It's all well and good for me saying that because I've, yes. I've been and done it. I've trained yeah. in eighty-six countries, but you you need to understand mm-hmm. reality. Yes. If I just speak mm-hmm. about medical devices for a second, mm-hmm. uh, medical devices, surgical devices are Specialty focused? Yes. Well, you know, the reality is that the vast majority of the surgical specialty community is in the developed world. Full stop. World Health Organization statistics will tell you that's the truth. And the vast majority are in North America, Mm -hmm. Canada, US, Western Europe, and North Asia plus Australia. Mm -hmm. And that's where your market exists. Um, So number one, your real market is probably 20 to 25 countries out of the 196 that exist, 197 if you don't, if you want to make Taiwan, Taiwan separate and not upset China. So it's 20 to 25 and your starting point's only five of those. Mm-hmm. So boil it down to the essence. You're not talking about the world, you're talking about specific markets. And, and then the second point is strategically, there is on your go-to-market plan, your entry, yes. you have regulatory approval and there's reimbursement. Yeah, but they're, they're sort of harmonized across the world. Every market operates differently. Understand there's not one strategy that fits all. Mm. No, that's, every country is different. That's right. Especially regulated industry, I imagine there's different legislation and approval processes, especially in the medical device space. Let's get approved. It's not one governance, I would imagine. Actually, the regulatory process yeah. is reasonably harmonized around. Okay, it. that's good then. Yeah. And, and I think, my view, having talked to surgeons from all over the world, they're, they're yes. predominantly very similar okay. in their, their view of what a condition is and what the standard of care is. They're pretty, but they work in different systems. Yes. It's the do. systems that determine yeah. how you actually take a, a product to market. So understand that. So we've got, what's your journey? Do you have market acceptance? Do you know exactly how much you need to spend? And what is your expansion plan? Mm. I know for a fact that those are questions that you need. Not, not only do you need it for, to, to really do this well, but you're going to get asked. Especially if you're talking to an investor, yes, they don't want you yeah. to be selling just in Australia. Especially if it's a globe, yeah. got a global impact behind it. You know, you that's, know, that's how they get their money. It's an interesting point that I'd encourage people to be careful that you're just not thinking that raising the money is is what it's all about. Because good investors are going to make sure that you've got a sound, executable plan, mm-hmm. not a story just to get money out of their bank account. There's a big yes. difference there. Yeah. And believe me, they know the difference. Mm. So they can uh, spot you if you're going to jump out of the business as soon as the money comes in. Yeah, that's right. You know, and that journey is not getting easier right now. So there's a reason to have all of these, have a, a product that's a great idea, cover off on these non-product ideas. Mm-hmm. Number one is the essence of you being successful. 
Number two, it's the means by which you raise money and investors are going to ask, do you have a market acceptance? Is it big enough? Is the market big enough? And do you have a sound executable plan? That's what we want to know. Yeah, it's pretty simple when you put it that way. It's not that difficult. I think, yeah, we can overcomplicate things sometimes and, uh, yeah, it makes it simple when you just put it in that context. The, the final the final thing that I encourage people that what a great product needs, have a, a rigorous launch plan and execute it impeccably. I want to underline this. Impeccably. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. You know, I, I remember when I came back from overseas and into what I thought was going to be semi-retirement was around the innovation state. Uh-huh. And what I've seen over those what, four, I think we're coming up to five years, mm-hmm. or now five years, what I've seen is there's a lot of projects that have progressed. They've got grant funding, they've, got, they've worked out, and they've progressed. Yeah. But too few have actually thought, how am I actually going to connect with the market, sell, support, make this happen? And that's where where the rubber hits the road, basically. You can have a product, but if you can't sell it, market it, or don't know how, then it doesn't really matter how good your product is if no one knows about it. If they can't find it. Well, that's right. And I go back to recent traps quote again, too many products, too many companies, and too much bargaining. But, you know, an important point, regulatory approval Mm -hmm. does not validate that you have a market. Yes. Or that anybody's going to buy it. It says it is safe and it is effective. There's some nice alarm bells going off in the background just for people who are who, just, yeah. alarm, <laughs> just at that point. Yeah, it says that it's safe. There's so many people are going to buy it. I think it's a very interesting well, point there. I split up the issue of safe and effective yes. because yes. different regulatory systems, yes. for example, CEMARC, which drives most of the yeah. work, is, is a safety evaluation, FDA is safety and efficacy, so they're different things. But they don't tell you you've got a market. They don't tell you anybody's going to buy it. Yes, that's true because they're not there to assess the viability of your product at all. That's no, they're the there to protect the patients Yes, or the users. That's it. No other reason. That is correct. You know, I've um, – I've had three, three. I talked before about distressed projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had three recently people come to us and gone. Actually, two of them were referred by an investor saying, I think this is a good idea. They need help. We go, yes. what's the problem? Well, they haven't sold it. They haven't sold anything. Okay. <laughs> That's a big, big problem. What, what, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. And it's people who have taken a product through the process. Mm-hmm. And, and these are actually viable ideas. Yes. They have market acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. These are really good ideas. They're going to make a difference. Yes. But they never ask the question, how am I going to connect with the world and sell this and support this device so that it, it happens? Um, it's a common one that I would encourage people to think about. It's not good enough to say, well, I'm going to find a distributor. Well, you know, good luck. Yeah. How many yeah. are there? Yeah, how does that well, work? That's well, yeah. just the channel. It doesn't get you to the users. That's correct. And, and I'm here to tell you there's good and bad distributors, and I'm here to tell you that the ones that are most likely to be ready to talk to you are those that actually are not are not busy. <laughs> so here's a minefield for you. Yeah, yeah good luck. <laughs> just making a statement, we will yeah. we will license or we will engage a distributor is not good enough. That is not rigorous impeccable execution get it i think in reality from where i sort of see it and the same in software space it's you can deliver beautiful code beautiful software solves a problem but throwing it on the world wide web and hoping people find it that's not a, that's not an answer to selling nor is it an answer to marketing and you need to be finding you talking to your customers getting away to them to promote what you're doing, how it works, what the value is. And you, if you partner with people to do that, yes, that's great. But, yeah, especially globally, I imagine you'd have to partner to distribute some of these things at a more of a global level. Otherwise, your team is just going to explode in terms of team size. So how do you approach that within your space with startups and founders? What do you do there? <laughs> well, start small and grow. Yeah. You know, in some countries you have to use distributors, yes. and that's okay. Yes. In some countries, you can use commissioned agents that just okay. pay on what they sell. That's okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but some products yes. actually need a lot of support, uh, user education, team education, 
hands-on support in its early stages. Now, I, I always argue that if, if that's your product, then you actually need your own people. So you start small and you grow. Yeah. It's one of those projects that I just was talked about without telling you who they are. Would You know, have CMARC just about to get FDA approval, have TGA approval. So they should be selling all, all over the place. Yes. Um, they haven't been able to do that. And, and our proposal to them is, okay, here's another truth. The pace at which you can enter and grow your market is driven by how much cash you have, period, full yep. stop. Yes. So if you're mm-hmm. trying with the best of intentions, don't yes. yeah, these people? Yeah, are mm-hmm. um, well, we're in Europe, we're in the US. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You don't have the cash to do that one. Mm. So what we're doing with that is saying, let's prove the point here in Australia. Let's get started. Yeah, one market yeah. at a time could be a good way of approach too. I know you mentioned have a, a plan for expansion, but still trying to hit 25 markets at once is probably not a good idea. No, um, you don't have the money. Yeah, you have to work yeah. within your means. Yes, personal real world. Build and grow it in Australia. If you are in Australia, grow it in Australia and then take it somewhere else after that. I think it's a good testing ground that we live in in Australia. It is small, but it's a good place to really test that market acceptance once you get the product to market. Is there buying? What's the business model? And then scale it from there. That's what I feel is probably a good approach, especially people in Australia. Absolutely agree with you. But I understand people's desire and urgency. But we use another statement, which I think is fundamentally important. We say to people all the time, Uh to expand, you need to narrow your focus. To expand, you must narrow your focus. That's counterintuitive. It is. But yeah. it's true. When you do it, yeah, you understand. Down. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you have to niche yeah. down, otherwise you don't have the enough focus to be able yes. to expand properly. Yeah. 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 So yeah. a great example of that is we run a SaaS product mm-hmm. and we made a decision to stick just in the pharmacy industry in Australia. We can go clear to retail, but that's another minefield and an interesting space. Mm-hmm. So we brought on partners and strategic partners in pharmacy. We're working just in pharmacy, solving their problems. And it's amazing the expansion you can do around one product in, in one space. So it gives you a bit more insight into a market, into an industry, into your customers that you wouldn't get if you just threw blanket up. So everybody just said, hope that we actually get to anything. And you can actually market easily to one segment, let alone if you want to market to everybody. And it's just, yeah. I, that, I never really understood it until we did it. And you learn pretty quickly that it's yeah much easier to, hit a niche, hit a market and grow within it and then expand after I think is probably a better the way to approach it. We're not there yet, but that gives you an idea of uh, something we've done that's really worked for us. Yeah. If you're um, not niching, there's not a clear message yes. that's going to resonate with your customers hmm. either. Unless you have billions and billions of dollars oh, of cash. Yeah, for marketing dollars. Yeah, yeah, you can throw darts at every dartboard at once. Yes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that's there are enough of them. Yes. But but that's not the reality of what no, we're not all Apple. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they started off small. Don't forget. Oh, everybody starts small. Course, Everyone started filling in the garage. So every corporate out there had started something small at some point. It might have been a hundred years ago, but they started somewhere. Somebody asked, just... somebody asked me one. It was a serious question. He said, "What do I need to do to make a billion bucks next year?" I said, "You should have asked me that question ten years ago." <laughs> That's my answer to your question. Yeah. It's, that's a long way from zero or a billion dollars. <laughs> I, I know what it takes to get there. It's a, it, and I know what, what needs to be in place. It's, yes. But you know, people, uh, um, I think that's an important, important yes. principle. To expand, you must focus. You must narrow your focus <laughs> and grow from there. Oh, very good, Philip. From... This context, anything else to add? Because I think we've covered quite a bit around some of the important things around product and what a great product needs. I think we really hit home around the acceptance side and covered a few things that I think was quite a good conversation around that. And um, in reality, if we don't have acceptance, we have nothing. So there's, yeah, always start there, always get an understanding of what your market needs, what your market wants and what they, is there that desire to actually to buy and uh, use a product that you may be putting to the market? So, yeah, I think that's been really pivotal in terms of this conversation because people can leave that out and to their own detriment, they can leave that out and just think and go ahead and invest in an idea and a concept and just not have that acceptance. And it's 
yeah, we see it all too often. And yet yeah, if we can stop people around them and get to think about this thing, we've done a good service just putting this content out there. And that's why we do this from a Dev Ready podcast perspective. I think you've mentioned a couple of times we've had products that came to you uh, that have been either failing or in a position where they're basically ready to be put to put to bed. And we've heard the same thing. And this is why we do this. It's just about sharing content. I think it was October last year. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but October last year, we had five people come to us in a similar boat. They've invested in a product, didn't work, completely failed. Our first lady who we interviewed was Judy Selman's episode one. From there, we made a decision to see how do we help people that are need to get through that fog. So that non-technical person that needs help, go out there, get some advisors. Someone like Philip Noel, um, yes, has walked the journey, knows the path ahead. Find someone like that. I think there's so much to be said to that and so much to save time, money and effort if you go and do that. And I, I want to um, share, Philip, share out your details. Where can people find you, get access to you? We'll obviously share this on LinkedIn, but yeah, just in, anyone wants to learn about Ontogo, how do they do that? Well, Ontogo has a, a yeah. website, which yes. will give it the perspective of who yes. we are, the people yes. involved. That's uh-huh. ontogo.com.au. You can, can get me on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Noel is N-O-W-E-L-L. Those are, those are two great ways of, of, yes. of finding me. And I'm one of a group of eight people who yes. are, are like me with experience and uh, yes. we're, we're all looking to help people through this journey. And and our fundamental purpose is I'm sick of stuff failing or going overseas. I want to see Mm -hmm. stuff that's created here Mm -hmm. benefiting here. And that makes sense because especially if you end up in manufacturing, how do we bring that on shore? Especially continuous if it's um, devices, I think there's a massive benefit if we're innovating in Australia and producing our own, creating jobs here. So yeah, there is some benefit there if we can do that. And I see that frustration. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, yeah, best way to get in contact with us and perfect, Phil. Happy to hear people's stories and see yes. whether we can help. No, thank you. No, thank you for being on the DevReady podcast and sharing your uh, insights and journey and what works and what you've seen in the past that really hits home. And yeah, but the biggest takeaway is get some market acceptance, test your market, question your market, and maybe take some bias off. So maybe get some help there because it's not that easy to do, especially for and, the owner. Yeah. And if if I can add, absolutely agree with you. And the other thing that I've I've seen more recently yes. is you know every journey. It's true to say that the the final steps of many journeys are the toughest. Yes. So the final 10% of this journey is when you're actually ready to connect with customers. Yes. That's the final 10%. It's mm. tough. It's yeah. tough. Prepare yeah. for it. Yes. Um, to expand, you should narrow your focus. <laughs> Very good, Philip. Thank yeah, well, you. Hopefully <laughs> these words help someone and put them on the right path and sure. navigate that fog or avoid yes. it altogether. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. No, thank you. Thank you, Philip.